a top quarterback prospect is injured, who are the top five tight ends in the 2024 NFL draft class that we think will be in the draft? Who wants a mock draft? Everybody, right? We're going to give you one, but just for the top 10 picks. All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 182 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes away from the 2024 NFL Draft. It feels like things are rounded into gear, Brian. I'm I'm excited to uh, talk with you today, hit tight ends, do a little mock draft. I think it's going to be a good episode. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, uh, this might be the earliest like live mock draft I think we've ever done. Uh, granted, we're only going 10 picks deep on this one, so uh, but still, uh, if you're watching live here tonight in the chat and you have a question we want us to answer it at the end of the episode, go ahead and drop it right there in the chat. Or if you're following along on Twitter, uh, send the question there and we will answer it in the episode as well as on our Discord. Uh, if you are there, you can ask a question there as well. If you're not a member of Discord, go to draftcountdown.com. Top right corner of the search bar is a link to join the Discord channel. And uh, as always, if you're new to this channel, like uh, like the videos, subscribe to the channel, and get notified when we go live each and every week to do this. Um, quickly, Shane, I uh, mentioned a quarterback injury. I want to get this before we get into the rest of it. Uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, uh, I think no, your number three quarterback prospect, uh, a- a- AC uh, injury there, shoulder injury. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, which is rough for him because he had a shoulder injury last year, not different shoulders uh, ultimately. But, uh, you know, we had to keep seeing the progression from him, I think, to really for, for me to feel good about having him at number three. The injury drops him down my list and, and makes me question, does he declare? Is he a first-round pig? And I think those questions start to happen if he doesn't come back and play really well at the end of the season. Yeah, him not declaring would be – Interesting to see what happens there in Austin for sure. He, he better somehow magically graduate and transfer. That's, that's all I'll say. There you go. Uh, all right, so let's dive into this. Right, uh, we we talked about it. We're just gonna we're gonna lead right into this. We're gonna give everybody a top ten mock draft. And what does that mean? That means we're just gonna draft the first ten picks of the draft as who they are listed right now. The order listed per Tankathon. How uh, the top ten goes out and we're going to Shane's going to pick the odd number picks uh one's th- one three five seven and nine I'll pick two four six eight and ten and we'll go on what which means Shane you'll get to pick twice for the same team tonight so that's fun right always always good to get that symmetry so let's get right in there uh number one pick in the draft currently hailed by the Chicago Bears by way of the Carolina Panthers I mean, I have a feeling where you're going here, right? Look, I I don't think there's a question for the Bears here. I I think Justin Fields has gotten a a pretty raw deal. We both liked him as a prospect. I think he's gotten a pretty raw deal with Chicago. But when undrafted rookie free agent, your boy Brian Tyson Badgent, now has matched the win total as a starting quarterback of Justin Fields this season, uh, it's time to move on. You know, Ryan Poles, the GM, did not select Justin Fields. So he gets a chance here if they get the number one pick 
through Carolina or themselves to take his quarterback, whether Luke Getzey is still there as a head coach or not, doesn't matter. I'm taking Caleb Williams, the quarterback out of Southern Cal, has had a couple rough games. Notre, the Notre Dame game, probably the worst game of his college career. We know what Caleb Williams is. Uh, I think we know what he can do. The NFL throws he can make, the athleticism, the off-platform throws can hit any area of the field. It has the arm strength, has the leadership qualities. And quite frankly, um, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that he he can't do. So Lincoln Riley quarterbacks have done well in the NFL. Caleb Williams goes to Chicago and they trade Justin Fields. Allow me to play devil's advocate here because I throwed this graphic up in my uh, prospect review article this week because I, I just found it interesting. And I, I don't have the data on every quarterback prospect that's come out in recent years to know how their splits were in this category as well. But, but prior to the Utah game, in which they lost this past week, Caleb Williams in 23 starts against non-top 25 teams, completing 70% of his passes for 317 yards a game, 78 touchdowns to seven interceptions. In five starts against a top 25 opponent, Caleb Williams is only completing 51% of his passes with 172 yards per game, six touchdowns, six interceptions. Is that something to worry about? I don't think it necessarily is because that, you know, ranges the length of time and we've seen, you know, bare bones USC in some of these games, right? I mean, the bowl game last season, the offensive line is really bad. Um, The defense has continued to be really bad. Like, I don't think it's all on him. I would, I'd be interested to see some of the other top, you know, the Trevor Lawrence and the Andrew Lux, you know, I think it's to be interesting to, you know, figure some of that out to see what is that drop off. I think most quarterbacks would have some type of drop off, maybe not quite that massive. Right. Um, so I think it's a little concern, but not enough to not take him at number one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think some of the quarterbacks drafted recently, uh, like a Tuatunga Valoa, for instance, or at Bryce Young, those drop offs. They all they played was top twenty five teams for the most part, right? Joe Burrow, uh, his senior year as well. I, I would imagine, but I, I would be curious to see the data. And I'm sure somebody out there's got this somewhere. Uh, Travis May, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> you're our numbers guy. Go go get that stuff and uh, let, let us know how it is. But Caleb Williams is the pick here for, and I think if the Chicago Bears have the number one pick, that is going to be what's going to happen because obviously something is going to rise, especially if they're also picking at three. So. That brings me to the Arizona Cardinals at pick two. And I am kind of, I, I really don't know how to go here because I, I think Kyler Murray, they're going to keep him, right? I mean, he's he's probably going to play this week uh, based off the practice report, right? He was a full go in practice, which I would tend to think he's probably going to start this week or at latest next week. Um, and he's what under contract for a lot of money for a lot more years. So I I think if Caleb Williams is not on the table here, I don't think Drake may is going to be the pick at two for the Cardinals. So I start looking at upgrading wide receiver, maybe with Marvin Harrison jr. Are you, do you address the, the, um, the offensive line here? You did it with Paris Johnson last year. Do you come back and pair Paris Johnson? I mean, you replace DJ Humphreys on the left side with Fashanu. I I think that's a you could make that argument, but for my personal, I think they go with Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver uh, from Ohio State, are both of our number one wide receiver prospects, and I think both of our number two overall prospects in this class. He is. I like. I think it's a good pick. Arizona needs that stud receiver. If you're going to stick with Kyler Murray, get him the best wide receiver prospect, in my opinion, that we've had in a while. Um, it, it's just super rare to have a wide receiver go number two overall. You know, has it I, happened I, since Calvin Johnson? Yeah, I, I, it has not since Calvin Johnson, and even before that, I think it's you know there's. I can't remember the time before that that it was. Uh, I guess Charles Rogers, maybe. Yeah, he was. He was that number sounds, two. Yeah, uh, which you know, didn't work out too well. But uh, you know, I wonder 
because wide receiver in this class is is very deep, we talked about it last week. Well, team pull the trigger at number two on Marvin Harrison. I, I almost tend to think maybe we're over. We have him kind of too high. I don't think I'm going to move him. Like I think he's going to be a great NFL player, um, but I don't have to make the pick at number two. Uh, but it makes perfect sense for Arizona when you just drafted who's going to be your franchise left tackle next year uh, in Paris Johnson. I don't see why you take other offensive tackle at two. Right. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at here. Uh, would make sense here at three, though, maybe. If you're the Chicago Bears coming back up at three and you drafted your quarterback now, Caleb Williams, at one. So, Shane, you're back on the clock here with the Bears and their own pick at pick three. Um, I mean, we could go a number of ways here, right? I mean, would Marvin Harrison be on the board? If, he, say, the Cardinals did pass and Marvin Harrison was on the board, is that an, that's an option for the Bears, right? But – He's not on the board anymore. So where where are you leaning here? Pick three, Chicago Bears. I, th- I think it's tricky. Uh, I think Harrison would be in the conversation. Uh, I do think people tend to overestimate the Bears picking a receiver. You, you know, you have DJ Moore, who's very very good. I think they'll take a receiver, maybe two in this draft, pretty fairly highly. I don't think you need to take Marvin Harrison. Um, offensive tackle. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, I think the left tackle position for Chicago is not great. The one thing that holds me back from saying uh, slam dunk, like this is what they'll do, is I think Ryan Poles is really happy that he took Braxton Jones in the fifth round and thinks he's a franchise left tackle. That makes him look like a really good GM, right? Like, I think that he likes him a lot. And he just took Darnell Wright to man the right side. So I, I think there's a chance that they would pass on offensive tackle and take maybe a pass rusher, take, uh, a, you know, Jerzon Newton from Illinois or take Jared Verse or Leitu Latu, um, the Florida State, UCLA, respectively. I'm not quite there yet. Like, I, I don't feel good enough about any of those three prospects to say they're number three overall picks. And then if, okay, we're taking a left tackle. Before last week, I would have said, okay, it's all Fashanu, right? Last week, Olufashanu, and, and you'll get into this a little bit later, uh, played a lot worse against Ohio State than Joel from Notre Dame did. <laughs> a lot worse uh, in that second half. I'm still going to take Olufashanu, the, uh, the left tackle from Penn State here at three for the Bears, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't feel great about it. But I do think he's probably the best fit and has you know the, the longest consistency despite that game against Ohio State. That's fair. I don't think he played as bad against Ohio State last week as you did per se. Um but he did have a couple of at least two I know for sure bad reps against uh JT Tui Tui Mogul. I'm gonna get that I'm gonna have to learn this at some point. But uh I st- I still have Fashano as the top off tackle in this class and I believe number three overall on my board. So I, I like the pick of Fashano here. I not saying that uh, Braxton Jones maybe he can move inside if you if you like him as well. I, I don't know, yeah. but I, yeah, I mean maybe I, I, the Bears' defense is bad, so a pass rusher could help could have helped there as well. I could see that. All right, so that brings me now up to the pick four and the Denver Broncos, uh, Sean Payton's first year, probably not going how Sean Payton thought his first year was going to go. In the Rocky Mountains there, uh, Russell Wilson has played better at least, right? I mean, not completely looking. He's, he's not, he's, he's waffle house cooking now and not, you know, cooking outside of a, over a open trash can. But um, I, I, their defense, I, I would have I would have considered Fashano here, and make and to replace Garrett Bowles, and I could argue Joe Alt as well, but I think their defense needs a ton of help, and I'm going to draft a pass rusher I think is rising and has risen to now the number one edge spot on my board, and that's UCLA's Latu Latu. Nobody has won better rushing the passer this year than Latu has 
anybody else in the country. He's just dominating every single game for what has been a very good defense for UCLA. I, I think it's fair. I mean, the Broncos defense needs more help than we expected them to need. Uh, the, the only issue I have with Latu is just, you know, he's a, he's a fifth year guy. He's an older guy. He's had injuries, uh, but he, he has played the best of any edge rusher this year. So sometimes those older players, we saw with Jermaine Johnson, um, you know, while back. They get pushed down a little they bit. Get pushed down as we bit, get closer. But, yeah. Yeah. But as we are still a good six months out, <laughs> you know. That ain't fair. So let's move on now. Pick five. Uh, did we think the New York Giants would be at pick five uh, before the season started? No, those you know starting to pick up a little bit of steam, I guess, of a fourteen to seven win against the Commanders counts. This is the easiest pick for me of uh, outside of number one. I'm taking Drake May, the quarterback from North Carolina. Here, I mean, Daniel Jones was pretty bad in the first couple games. I know they signed him to a contract, but it's not you know, this like law actual long-term um, contract. So I think they can get out of it. Maybe, maybe he has to stick around for a year and kind of, you know, learn that. But after 2024, they have an out of that contract. There you go. That's it. Daniel Jones can start the year. Drake may can learn for a little bit. I, I think Drake may uh, struggled against Virginia a bit in that game. They lost. He's not this. I don't think he is on Caleb Williams level, but, He's definitely better than the rest of the quarterbacks in this class and has a ton of upside. Uh, that demands a top five pick. That's fair. So that brings me to another team that probably didn't think they'd be picking this high right now. It's the New England Patriots and a team that maybe they would have considered Drake May if he was on the board and the card. Ran the card <laughs> up there. Six, six, but Drake May is gone. Uh, I'm replacing Trent Brown here. Brown's been around the block uh, for a while, right? He, he's been in the league a good, a good, good amount of time since. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he's been in the league a long time. I, I'm trying to see when he was originally fifteen. No, I don't. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he's old, so I'm going yeah. to replace uh, Trent Brown here with uh, Notre Dame offensive tackle Joe Alt, and. Because I don't necessarily like the wide receiver value that I could have got here um, at pick six. So, and I don't necessarily think that they are going to actively be in the pass rusher market as they have spent some draft capital on that in recent years. So, Joe Alt is is who I settle on here at pick six. Uh, any any other place we could have gone there? No, I mean, that's definitely where I would have gone. Yeah, I mean, Trent Brown is 30 years old, but he's had a lot of injuries. He's not definitely playing. Yeah, yeah he's an old 30. <laughs> right, right. So, no, I think it's I think it's a great pick. And Joe Alt just feels like a Patriot, doesn't he? Like, it feels, right. feels perfect. As much as anybody else does. All right, so two of our contributors at Draft Countdown, Miranda Wilhelm and Pigskin Paul, both crying right now as the Green Bay Packers are in the dumps, right? We're sitting here, pick seven, Green Bay on the clock. This will be the highest they picked in quite a while, right? So that doesn't feel great for uh, Green Bay to be picking here at seven. We can't get a quarterback here either, right? Uh, Jordan Love ain't it. I think we're seeing that week to week basis. So I am anxious to see uh, where you have, where you end up taking Green Bay here with the top, with their top pick. It's it's tough. I don't think it's a great spot for them because I think offensive tackle is probably their biggest need, um, and they love an athletic offensive tackle. So you know, I, like I considered kind of the next couple on my board. I mean, Kingsley Soamatea. You know, I love out of BYU. It's too high for him. Marius Mims from Georgia, J.C. Latham from Alabama, I think are considerations for the Packers here. I, I just don't feel confident they're, any of them are top 10 picks yet. I think one of them will be. You know, at least one will be. I just don't know who it is yet, so I'm not quite there. Receiver, like you said, doesn't feel great uh, past this. So yeah, I'm going to kind of go with the best player available. I, we, we know Jair Alexander's still great. Russell Douglas is not. 
it's uh, at the opposite quarterback. You know, he'll only have one year left on his contract. They really don't have much else in the cupboard at corner. So I'm going to take Kool-Aid McKinstry, the corner out of Alabama uh, here at seven for the Packers. Like, I don't love it because the offense needs the help, but it feels like a Packers move to just not take that. Yeah, I, I you're probably right. I mean, they've, they've added some good passer, Rashawn Gary, right? And the likes the last couple of years. So I can see why you pass on, on that aspect of it. And the values just doesn't add up there with wide receiver or offensive tackle here at, at pick seven. So I'm with you. I, I, I think, you know, Kool-Aid is, is the guy to go there and somebody I definitely would have considered on the next spot, which is pick eight here in the Los Angeles chargers. I, I think they would have considered Kool-Aid McKinstry there. Um, and I don't have, uh, I, I released my new top 150. The only other corner I have is Cooper DeGene at, at 20 overall. So the value 20th overall player pick eight doesn't add up. So I am left spinning my wheels here. And I don't know if this is the wise way to go, but because you just drafted another weapon for uh, Herbert in last year's first round, but that's where I'm going to go here because I, like I said, I, I bet ta- just add talent, right? Just add talent around Justin Herbert. And I think they draft Georgia tight end Brock Bowers at pick eight. Wow. Uh, I mean, Quentin Johnston has not exactly had a stellar rookie year either. Mike I'm not Williams, quitting him yet, though. I know, but Mike Williams went down. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, here comes Quentin Johnston. One target. Yeah, just kids still can't get it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing where we're kind of hitting a point, and this is what happens in October, where right. I don't think there's any top 10 picks left in this draft. Like Brock Bowers, I love Brock Bowers. Now with the, the tightrope surgery, I don't think it affects the draft stock much. He's not a top 10 pick. Like, he's not a big tight end that's, you know, super athletic. Like, I, I don't think he'll be a top 10 pick. But, yeah, he's he's – up there on my board because I, I I think he's that talented and it's kind of where you're at to make that make that move. Well, let me ask you this though. So let's talk about Brock Bowers. You know what? We'll save that for the tight end segment. Yeah, now yeah. I think fine. about it. That that that's that's fair. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Shane, your last pick here in the top ten is pick nine and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they're going to end up picking higher than nine. <laughs> oh, I look look they I. I, we were talking on uh, on the Debbie Marketplace podcast how the Steelers will beat the Jaguars this week, then lose to the Titans on Thursday Night Football next week. So just get ready for that. Sure. Uh, is Will Levis going to be the starting quarterback next Thursday? Because he is starting this Sunday. Yeah. Look, they, they said they might go with the two quarterback system this week. So we'll see. Really? Maybe get Malik Willis and Will Levis. Or are we trying? We're, we're going to do this in the NFL. We're going to we're going to Steve <laughs> Spurrier quarterbacks out. On, okay. Hey, Kansas State, it's working for so you know Tennessee. Atlanta's maybe. Atlanta's going to romp in this game at this point. <laughs> if, if they do that, I, I don't know how true it is, but I mean they may do that anyway. So where are we going here with the Titans? Like I'm trying to stall a little bit because I I don't once again I don't love the value here in terms of matching Tennessee's needs. Because um, I think their front seven on the defensive side is pretty good. Uh, but that's really where the value is here. You know, offensive tackle, still need a right tackle. Don't really have one. Um, they could use a receiver. I don't think there's anyone here I feel confident taking. So um, I, so I think I'm going to go pass rusher here. Like, Harold Landry is very good. Arden Keys played decently on the other side. But I, I think having – a little more pass rush can never, never be a bad thing and help this defense out. Um, I, I always feel like I never know to take for Tennessee, but I, I'm going to take Jared Verse, the edge rusher out of Florida State. It was pretty close between him and Dallas Turner. I think Verse, I think Turner will be a little more athletic. Uh, I think teams will like Verse's toughness a little bit more. I think he's going to fit. Um, you know, what the Tennessee Titans do and what Mike Vrabel wants that defense to be a little bit more. That's fair. Um, 
I, I like the pick. It's a, it's a tough Tennessee's always tough for me to mock, and and this is a, a tough spot for their needs. So I hope they pick higher, so I can just take a right tackle for them or whatever. Yeah, be a lot easier if they were up further up the board to, nice. to match the the pick number and the value. All right, so let's wrap up this top 10. Uh, a team I'm not necessarily sure is going to end up in the top 10. I think they're going to play their way into that 14 to 15 range because I feel like they're too good to pick in the top 10 but not good enough to make the playoffs. I think they're in, they're in playoff purgatory perennially at this point now by, their, by Mickey's constant can kicking down the road that he does each and every year <laughs> with the salary cap. This is where they are, but – if they are indeed picking the top 10, I immediately jumped out. I was like, they're going to go, they're going to draft an offensive lineman, right? Because they're they're going to give up on pinning already, as they seemingly have. He's like third on the depth chart right now at left tackle. They're starting James Hurst. Wild. And I and I, I don't I, I I completely whiffed on Trevor Pinning. Unless he figures it out, I thought he would be a dominant uh tackle in the NFL. But, you know, goes to show you. So I, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball uh, here, and I'm going to I'm going to give them a, a an edge guy, but I'm going to go – I'm going to bypass a couple of guys I have rated higher to go with a guy I think fits their defensive scheme more. And I think if you're looking to replace Cameron Jordan, you need to get somebody of similar size and – you know, ability. So I'm going to say at the 10th pick, the Saints take Ohio State edge rusher JT Tui Molowal at the 10th pick. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. I, you know, I think this week he, he kind of turned it on against Penn State in a big game. I think that could help uh, his draft stock. He's very hot and cold. So I, I could see it. I could see it happening. And I definitely like the fit with the Saints because he, Similar thing. He feels kind of like a Saints defender. Yeah, I mean, he 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 has that. I mean, they have a type, right on on that side with Tano Passanio. They've signed as a free agent, and some other guys they brought in. He's definitely. I mean, they've just extended Curtis Granderson uh, on the other side. So, and they drafted uh, who did they draft this past year? Uh, Foskey from Notre Dame. Yeah, you drafted Brzee in the first round on, for the inside. I think that you know a guy like. Tui Molowal could uh would fit great there in New Orleans. So, so that's going to wrap up our top ten mock draft. I'll briefly recap it here. Uh, first pick Chicago Bears by way of Carolina, Caleb Williams, quarterback Notre Dame, uh, Southern Cal. Uh, number two Arizona takes Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, Ohio State. Three Chicago takes Olu Fashanu, offensive tackle, Penn State. Four Denver takes Liatu Latu. Edge rusher UCLA. Five, the New York Giants take Drake May, quarterback North Carolina. Six, uh, New England takes Joe Alt, offensive tackle Notre Dame. Seven, Green Bay takes Cooley McKinstry, cornerback Alabama. Eight, Chargers take Brock Bowers, tight end Georgia. Nine, Tennessee takes Jared Verse, uh, edge rusher Florida State. And 10, New Orleans takes Ohio State edge rusher JT Tui Molowal. There you go. I dig it. I dig it. That's a good. We'll, we'll have to. We'll have to go back to this and see if we got any right. How, how that looks. Yeah. <laughs> how that looks. I'm, I'm more thing. curious to see how the draft order looks. You know. Yeah. Towards the end of the season. All right. Uh, we're not going to take a whole lot of time on this because it's fantasy spewing here. But uh, the NFL trade deadline is Tuesday at four Eastern. Um. Just quickly, Shane, is there any trades that you ex any players you expect to be moved? Um, I, I don't know if there's anyone I expect. I, I would say it seems like we're gonna get some Denver Broncos. Like I think Jerry Judy's probably one that they've been trying to push on other teams. So I wonder if the Broncos like just take less and um, you know, move him. The other guy that I think is interesting is just seeing the usage is Antonio Gibson, the running back for the Washington Commanders. Chris Rodriguez got the basically the snaps for Gibson last week. Um, seems like uh, he he's, could be you know a guy on the move, so I'd expect that. And 
you know, you, you, you wonder if the Panthers regret not trading Brian Burns last year. They got some pretty hefty offers. You've talked about it on here before, uh, Brian. So I wonder if, um, Maybe they finally pull the trigger and make that move. You have, you have won a game. Like, just give it up. You're not getting two first-round picks anymore um, from the Rams. So, see what you can get. Yeah, I heard they were taking calls on Jeremy Chin and a few others, but Chin's out for a while now, so that's not going to happen. But it will be curious. Um, is there what – I'll let, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, let, I'll look at this through the lens of our favorite teams. Is there a move that you would like to see the Steelers make prior to the deadline? I, like the move I would like to see the Steelers make versus the move the Steelers would make are two very different things. So, you know, I, I mean, I mean, the, like the Chase Claypool trade surprised me because usually the Steelers aren't the ones giving up someone at the trade deadline. I mean, ultimately, that's what I would like for them to do like I, I don't think the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl this year spoiler um so if they you know if they can move a Deontay Johnson someone like that I think it's worth doing I don't think they're gonna make any move I would like I would like to see you mentioned Antonio Gibson I wouldn't mind seeing the Bengals get in on that as a you know a, a third down back uh role or more specifically, I would like to see them get something out of the tight end position, but I don't yeah. even know who you would acquire in that market. Zach Ertz, uh, maybe. I mean, Trey McBride's going to start this week. Maybe he could be a nice short-term Band-Aid uh, tight end. Sure. I mean, I, I would be open to anything at this point, but the Bengals will not. They're going to make any trades. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's you just know, what they know. do. So it's, 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 it's what they do or what they don't do, I should say. So let's uh, let's look back at week eight. And in this segment, every week we talk about the best offensive and defensive players that we watched uh, in our prior, the four games that we each watched officially last week. And I'll lead off with the best offensive player I watched this week. We've talked about him uh, multiple times already. And it is Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. who basically took a NFL prospect in Kalen King and made him look like a NAI walk-on. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was targeted 16 times against Penn State, caught 11 of those for 162 yards and a score. Probably could have amplified that number up a bit if some of the some passes were a bit more on target, if you will. Um, but he, when he's on, he's the best wide receiver in college football and going to be a, a a top NFL draft pick, right? He was almost open every play. I mean, he he would he was getting open against King one on one. Just they, they thought I don't know what they thought. thought they could just cover him with King and be fine, but it did not work. Whatsoever. What makes what makes him so great? I think is he lines up. He's he lines up everywhere, right? He beats you on the outside, on either side. He beats you in the slot. It, it doesn't matter. You line him up, he's going to beat you, and that's just what makes it so so great. Uh, him week in week out. Uh, this one's going to hurt you a little bit, Shane. Uh, who's your who was the best offensive player you watched this week? In more ways than one, this one's going to hurt me. But my best offensive player was JJ McCarthy, the quarterback for Michigan. We talked about our quarterbacks. Talked about how I was a little bit lower on him. You know, I'm an Ohio State alumni, so uh, those Michigan guys sometimes uh, don't want to honor. And it was my lock of the week that he just completely obliterated from me. Um, but I mean, McCarthy's playing against Michigan State. They're not good. But he had multiple NFL throws, you know, one touchdown between two defenders, just, just uh, you know, perfect angle for the pass to get it to where his receiver could make the catch. Uh, you know, there's there a lot of kind of short passes to Roman Wilson, letting Roman Wilson run wild for some yardage that gets tacked on. But, I, you know, I thought McCarthy looked looked the part. Um, so, I, you know, I, I really that, that three to five quarterback range, I mean, he, he could be quarterback three for me at this point. Uh, I don't feel – confident that he's like going to be a great NFL quarterback a top 10 pick or anything, but I see the traits and see the ability. We'll see how the Penn state and Ohio state games go for him. Um, you know, especially amid the Michigan scandal, if, you know, if that affects anything. So yeah, the uh, top prospect for me uh, on the defensive side of the ball, your Ohio state Buckeyes again, 
and it was edge rusher that we've already mentioned, JT Tui Molowal, uh was the top uh, defense player for me. Uh, mostly rushed off the right tackle for most of the game from what I saw, but he got the best of Olu Fashanu, who I think is a top three prospect in this class right now. And he got the best of him uh, on two, at least two reps that I saw for sure. Uh, one on it was a fourth and three play. He uh, basically forced an incomplete pass. And another one, he just straight walked Fashanu back into, into the quarterback. And uh, I think I can't, somebody else finished finished up the sack. So, it, you know, he was the, a dominant player in this game for me. Yeah, and look, I think Fashanu had him in the first half uh, plenty, yeah. you know, so – but yeah, it was a bad second half for uh, Shano and, and good for for uh, Tumo. Wow, you know that was he has those traits. It's just like when it comes out, that, that's the question. The who was the best defensive player you watched this week? I'll go with Chris Braswell, the edge rusher from Alabama. You know Dallas Turner gets the hype, probably will be picked higher. But Chris Braswell's playing better than Dallas Turner is on that Alabama defense. You know, this is what makes the defense runs. They have two elite edge rushers, two sacks against Tennessee. And, you know, it was against Joe Milton, who can break some sacks. If there's one thing Joe Milton can do, it's not much. But there's one thing he can do is not go down with his big frame. I mean, Braswell was coming at him, good wrap-up tackling, forced a fumble on one of those sacks. Just a great first step, great awareness. I mean, he was reading – what the offensive lineman was doing, different pass rush moves. I was super impressed. I think Braswell has a first-round shot. Another thing that impresses me about Braswell and will help his draft stock is he's a special teams guy, too. Yes. And he makes big plays on special teams. Was it this game he blocked a field goal or blocked an extra point? I can't remember. A couple games ago, yeah. A couple games ago, yeah. I, I I remember seeing it, but I couldn't remember when it was. But, yeah, I mean, he's that kind of guy, and uh, NFL teams are going to love that. Even if he's not a first-round pick, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that gets you put in that early second-round range. Yeah. So, yeah, good good, 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 good guy there, Chris Braswell. Big numbers this year. All right, let's move on to week nine and eight games on the docket this week for us. And we're going to start tomorrow night on ESPN2 with – Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Uh, I'm going back to the old Sun Belt roots here. I haven't been there in a few weeks, so I figured I'd jump back in. And it's not a lot in this game, to be honest. Um, anxious, I want to get a look at maybe uh, some maybe a lower-round tight end prospect, Keaton Upshaw, Georgia Southern, get a look at him. Uh, I watched Georgia State earlier this season, and jumping out to me in that game was their corner, uh, Bryquise Brown. Six foot one eighty six uh, corner, maybe not in this draft class, but a name to know. Yeah, it, it's. I think it'll be a good game. Both these uh, both teams are pretty good. I also like Caleb Hood, receiver for Georgia Southern, probably more special teams guy, but he's he's having a good season. And uh, Jalen White, the running back, might be someone down the line that yeah, you know, undrafted free agent that makes a team. Another game I'm watching tomorrow night at 6.30 on ESPN is Syracuse at Virginia Tech. I caught some Virginia Tech earlier this season. I believe it gets Old Dominion. So anxious to get back there again. I don't think Grant Wells is going to play their quarterback. Uh, not that there's he's any great shakes about him as a prospect, but they have some wide receivers that are interesting in uh, Allie Jennings, uh, who I think is also injured. And uh, Jalen Lane, their other wide receiver, who may or may not be injured. Uh, I can't remember. But one player that is not injured that I – or heck, he might be. I don't know. But he stood out to me in that first game I saw was the Florida transfer to edge rusher Antoine Powell Rylan, uh, 6'2", 245. Had a big game against Old Dominion. So, anxious to see him again. And uh, for Syracuse – who are some uh, – Marlo Wax, their linebacker, stands out. But anybody else on their team – that you yeah, like. I mean, I mean, he's he's probably the top guy. Um, I always like Stephon Thompson, their linebacker, but he his play's kind of fallen off. And you know, Ronda Gazden, the second, their tight end receivers after the year. So Syracuse, it's been it's been tough goings for them. Yeah, Garrett Schrader's kind of regressed. He looked like he was developing into a little something last year, but not there. This is probably Dino Baber's uh, last ride there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it should be. He'll be a good OC somewhere though. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move on to Saturday games now, 11 a.m. on CBS. Shane, you'll be watching Indiana and Penn State. We've talked about Penn State a, a good bit here. Uh, anxious to see the injury status of Chop Robinson. He uh, left that game against Ohio State. I don't. Has there been an update on his status? I, I have not seen anything about you know if he's going to play this week or not. So um, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Indiana's got a few guys maybe to watch out for here. Um, I think uh, I remember last year Aaron Casey, their linebacker, was was a solid prospect. Uh, any anybody else here for the Hoosiers and Penn State you want to talk about? Yeah, not not much for Indiana. Matthew Bedford, their offensive tackle, I, I like a little bit as maybe a late round, you know, undrafted free agent type. Uh, Penn State definitely. I want, I want to watch the pass rushers on the other side of Chop Robinson playing Adisa uh, Isaac really moving up the boards. I thought he, you know, he looked at it against Ohio State as well. Um, you know, and maybe a little like late round sleeper, Tyler Warren. Their tight end is a nice, really good blocker. You know, one one of those kind of tight ends that gets drafted. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, you know, what happened? But gets drafted on blocking. Yeah, um, I moved Isaac into my top 100 uh, on my board this week. He's he's been really impressive this season. Um, all right, let's move on now. Game I'll be watching at 11 a.m. on the ACC Network. Uh, UConn at Boston College. Uh, the main takeaways from this one, it's not it's not a pretty game here to watch, right? This is the, the when your main takeaways are, hey, let's watch guards. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's that that's what you're getting in this game. Boston College's Christian Mahogany is the is the go-to name there. And uh for, for UConn, I mean, we could be looking at a uh top 100 guy here with Christian Haynes, their interior offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those both those guys could be second round picks, so it is worth watching the the, the guards. Um, I also like UConn linebacker Jackson Mitchell a lot. Very He's active player. Yeah, very active. Ton of tackles. You know, nice day three pick. Um, it, Boston College is a fun team to watch, not necessarily from a draft perspective right now. Nothing surprises me anymore when I come across our games that go on this watch list here. And then I see Shane, 12 noon on ESPN Plus, Holy Cross at Fordham. Where is Holy Cross located? They're in Massachusetts, right? I, I'm I'm guessing Massachusetts. Uh, look, that's, that's probably fair. I was, you know, it's it's uh, wherever's holy, so that's, that's what, it's I, what you want. I know Fordham's in the Bronx. I know where that is. Yeah, Massachusetts, Holy Cross. I just like Google to make sure. All right, so there's some there's some prospects in this game, right? To to watch, and I get why you got to hear uh, Fordham wide receiver. Uh, let's let's see how I do here. Otis Coco Salus. Oh, yeah, I think that's good. I'm, I'm giving you points for that one. Uh, they also have another guy, MJ Wright, at wide receiver on on the watch list. I think both those guys were on the Shrine list. Is how they ended up on our watch list. If I had to guess. Um, Holy Cross linebacker Jacob Dobbs, I think, is a guy to watch, and uh, Matthew Sluka, their quarterback, fifth year player, 6'1, 215. Yeah, he might, he might make something. Uh, Jalen Coker, their receivers, getting a lot of buzz, is maybe one of the top small school receivers, 6'3, 207, probably 4'5, uh, speed. And, um, and then I, you know, I got a, a name of a player, it's not on our watch list that I want to watch and see if he should be is uh, their offensive guard, C.J. Hansen. So I'll, I'll report back. We'll see if we add him or if he's not good. <laughs> no, we shouldn't add him. Uh, but Holy Cross looks to be actually one of the top small schools for the draft this year. Didn't see that coming. Me either. So there you go. 2.30 p.m. on NBC. Hit at Notre Dame. My first venture into Notre Dame this season. We've talked oh. about him a lot. So I will get to see... Uh, Sam Hartman and that crew, Joe Alt, how they do. And maybe Joe Alt gets matched up uh, with Day, Day and Hayes uh, on our watch list for Pitt. We've talked about them. Uh, a guy that for Pitt that I really uh, see his name is popping up a lot here lately is their corner, MJ Devonshire, uh, picking up a lot of buzz. 
Yeah, I, I, I've really liked his career. I mean, he's a playmaker. Devin Shire is good. Uh, Matt Goncalves, their offensive tackle, has you know filled in nicely there. He's maybe a draftable prospect. Uh, and watch out for Bub Means, their receiver for Pitt. I uh, was on the freak list. He's definitely interesting. But uh, you can see your uh, Howard Cross the third, right? Getting buzzed for Notre Dame, the defensive that, lineman. That's right. We'll see. see what he does. Uh, you know, we did talk about him when we talked about running backs. But uh, Audrey Estime, does he do it for you? No, <laughs> he okay. like he, let's he, move on. He, yeah, <laughs> right yeah, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. That's, that, that, that's all we. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, 6 p.m. on FS1, Shane, you'll be watching Washington at Stanford. And I'm tragically going to have to report here, I think a guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later may not play in this game, uh, Stanford tight end Benjamin Urasek. Uh, looks like he's going to be out uh, of this one. And that kind of sucks because I'm not sure there's many other uh, prospects on this Stanford roster Uh that are draftable. Well, we got this. one other. We got one other that's definitely get drafted, Brian. Who's that? Kicker Joshua Cardi is getting drafted. That's true. Stanford, my kicker that's one. So kick, gotta kicker, watch him. kicker one. <laughs> too soon to talk about kicker Shane. I know. I know. We've been, like, we've been through this. Into it, trying to go. We've been through it. this. But uh, uh, this is all about Washington, right? And, and getting getting another look at these these studs, Washington. Uh, they're they're going to be one of the higher represented teams in the 2024 draft class, right? I think on the, just sheer volume, potentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they all came back for this, right? For this right. run. For this run. Almost lost Arizona State last week. I mean, it was not great. I caught so, that. And I, I, you did, you I was did, so you mad did. that I, I did not make that my lock. You, but you I did, said it on the I show, did, though. So. I did say it on the show that I, I, I like that number because I thought they left it all in the field against Oregon. So, yeah. But we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see Michael Penix. We'll see Romeo Dunze and Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, the receivers there. Uh, Giles Jackson, who we mentioned, is back. Also, could, uh, they could have four receivers drafted if uh, – I'm not sure Jalen Polk is is, Mc, is McMillan going to play this week? Uh, I I. I think it's 50-50, so I'm really hoping that we get to see him. Uh, but I also like uh, Troy Fatanu, the the offensive guard for them. I think he's a you know, draftable prospect. The edge rushers for Washington haven't played as well as I've hoped in Braylon Trice and, and Zion Tupula Fatui. We'll see if they can bounce back. Uh, this but the week. talent is there. It's yeah. just this, this, they're not producing. I haven't looked at it. I, I, yeah, I don't know yeah, why. Numbers aren't there this year. Um, you know – we haven't talked about him and we're not going to talk about him in our tight ends tonight either. So I'm going to mention his name because they have four draftable wide receivers. He doesn't get a whole lot of targets in that offense. I really like Devin Colt, their tight end, and, but he just doesn't get the targets because you know, why, yeah, well, why, why, why would you at this point? So it's, it sucks for him, but you know, he could be a guy that, you know, ends up popping, Maybe maybe as an undrafted, a priority free agent, or maybe even like you you mentioned the tight end Penn State earlier. This guy gets drafted in six seven. Well, man, this guy caught six balls all year. Why is he getting drafted? Man's good. Just didn't get the target share because you had four top one hundred receivers on their team. So it's wild. Uh, this is one I've, I've, I'm interested. In. I got I got some questions for you on this one. Uh, your last game here, ESPN two, seven p.m. Cincinnati at Oklahoma State. Um, we don't generally ask questions about the 2025 draft class, but I do have one here. But first, uh, is it Colin Oliver, their edge rusher? I think you're high on him, right? Yeah, you know, and he's one of those kind of holdovers for me from as a as a freshman. He played extremely well um, and then kind of fell off it last year. And now he's picking it back up again. I like Colin Oliver, a little undersized, but uh, really good at getting to the quarterback. And he playing the run really well this year. So I'm, I'm going to take take the W. I think he's going to, you know, could be a day two pick. Maybe not in this year's class, though. Probably not. Yeah, I, I would expect him to go back, you know, go back to school. But uh, he's only a third year so player. He's going to join the 2025 draft class with, uh, you mentioned, could be RB1 next year. Is it Ollie Collins? Is that his name? Ollie Gordon. Yeah. Ollie Gordon, I'm sorry. 
No, it's fine. Yeah, I I mean, he's so having... here's the Debbie segment, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Like he's he's having an incredible season. Um, last week against West Virginia, ran for 282 yards and four touchdowns, and you know he caught against Kansas. He had a hundred yards rushing, hundred yards receiving. Like he's he's setting. If Barry Sanders hadn't gone to Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon would be setting records right now. Uh, look as fast, can catch, like does everything really well. So I, I think he's – a lot of people, you know, have Nick Singleton and Penn State, the Penn State running backs, these guys, but Ollie Gordon might be the best in that class. Yes. Sorry, everybody who thinks they're going to go to Oklahoma State and break a record. That just ain't happening. <laughs> right, yeah, you just can't do it. But All right, that's going to end our week nine college football preview. That's good stuff. All right, Shane, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> is this five in a row now? Five in a row? Four in a row? Four in a row. Four, four in, a row. in a row, Shane. You you took the L here. Oh. Three and six, man. We got to get you back to 500 by the end of the season, man. So the, 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 the ship riding starts tonight. All right. Who is the lock of the week? Look, I'm going to – the last one that I won, I, I bet against Georgia because I don't think they're as good as Vegas thinks they are or the – public thinks they are so i'm doing it again i'm going back to the well florida plus 14 and a half graham mertz has played pretty well i think florida has the run game to maybe do a little damage score some points maybe create a turnover and obrock bowers i don't trust the georgia offense i don't trust the georgia team at this point i think florida is not going to win this game but i think they can keep it within two touchdowns Maybe, maybe it's not 42 and a half like it was the last time you picked. No, no, I, I wish it was. I would be much. Happier. Well, yeah, I think we definitely could get on board with that. All right. So I'm going back to my roots here and I'm going back to the Sun Belt. And I feel like I've gotten away from it and I'm, I'm heading back there to a good old some good old Southern football here. I think Troy's one of the best teams in the Sun Belt and they're playing at Texas State who can score. Takes takes scores points, but Troy, I like this number better yesterday when it was four and a half. It's up to five and a half now. I still like it. Give me Troy minus five and a half at Texas State, and uh, heading into a short week next week. I'm going to tell you why it's a good pick because I considered taking Texas State plus five and a half. So it, with with how my locks are going, I think that makes it a good pick for you. Fade Shane is, is the, me- <laughs> right. is the message the we're sending out to Please. everybody. I, I asked everyone last week. Please do it this week. I should have listened. Yeah. This week I may do have. it this week, and let's see what happens. Yeah, then I'll, then I'll finally hit. So, please, I'm, I'm begging you. All right. Let's move on now to our position rankings segment this week. And we're going tight ends this week. And I almost feel like we could have lumped them into this into the wide receiver segment last week because this is not the 2023 NFL draft class at the tight end position. Uh, no. Don't look, we're not getting anybody's hopes up here. I don't even know if there's a Sam Laporta that that uh, a second round guy that's going to come in and have a big impact uh, right away. But let's get the easy one out first, and we're both going to have the same number one here, and it's going to be Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. Uh, he's may not play again the rest of the season. He had the tightrope surgery on his ankle. Um, the the cons here are, I mean, he's not the traditional tight end size, right? 6'3", 225, but he blocks like a 270-pound tight end. So that's not an issue for me. Um, he can run after the catch. He can make contested catches all day long. I, I I don't see a difference here of what you know he can do other than he's not going to run freak speed probably. Right. I but you know the, I mean they run reverses with him like he has some some there's probably some good GPS numbers for Brock Bowers. Um, but you know if he comes in at, in the two twenties, it's probably not going to be out of this world. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's a top ten pick. I think he's a mid-first-round pick, but I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. I tweeted it last September. I think he's going to be what we wanted Kyle Pitts to be because I think Bowers is a weapon that you can move around and do so many different things with because he is a little bit smaller. 
and a little more athletic um, with and how he works. You can run some of those, you know, reverses and things. I think it's just going to be, he's going to be a phenomenal NFL weapon. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, number two is going to come in different uh, because I think we would have had the same number two had I thought, I just don't think Jatavian Sanders from Texas is going to declare for the draft. I'm assuming he's your number two. Yes. So I'll let you go ahead and talk about him since I'm not going to. Uh, JT Sanders from Texas is just a, a really a super athletic, you know, tight end. That's what the NFL likes. I, I do think he declares that he's not having maybe the season in terms of statistics that you maybe wanted. That's not what's getting him drafted to the NFL. It's being a high-end athlete who's playing the tight end position, you know, who's who's playing receiver. Um, you know, he's he's played special teams. He's, you know, he's had some of these big seasons in the past. I think JT Sanders from Texas is uh, not a first round pick, but I think he's an early day two pick. And with this tight end class, I mean, I'd be saying you got to declare, you know, you know, just declare like you're going to be the tight end two by default. So yeah, I think he I, comes out. My tight end two, based off of not thinking that Sanders will declare, is Jaheim Bell from Florida State. He's another chess piece, right, on offense. He's lined, He can line up at running back. He can line up at fullback. He can line up at H-back. He can line up in line. He can line up out wide. Jaheim Bell can do every single thing that you – an offensive coordinator – I would say an offensive coordinator's matchup dream is Bell, and he's a high-end athlete to boot. Um, I, I, his, I think his game has taken off even more this year at Florida State. Sad as that makes me – you know, to say that South Carolina could not exploit all of that instead of having him be the number one running back on their team. Don't get me wrong. Don't get anyway. But Jaheim Bell, I, I think, is is that athlete. I love him in this class. And he's for this purpose of this exercise is, I think, the number two tight end in this class. He's my number four. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. We've seen some big plays from him this season, but also some games where he's done nothing. You know, I, I think, I think Gene Bell's going to be more of an H back and only fit certain systems, pushes him down. But I think he's better than a lot of the tight ends in the class. So I'm with you. Yeah. It, it, we're grasping at straws here at some point. <laughs> I think my number three tight end in this group is we talked about him briefly earlier is Benjamin Yurasek. From Stanford, I think he's the next in line. The Stanford tight end, 6'5", 231. I mean, he's he's got the size. He can do the he can make the jump balls. He's not he can stretch the seam. He's not fast, right? I, I, he's a big body, uh, but he's a good route runner. Has good hands. Uh, has had some injury issues that concern me a little bit. But I think compared to some of the other guys that I have behind him, I think he just kind of stands out. Um, if you told me that only three tight ends got drafted in the first two days, I, I, I'm kind of there right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a real possibility. I, I just wish he was more of a red zone guy. I think he has less than – he has like five touchdowns for his career. Um, that's what holds me back with the injuries for your sec. He's tight end eight on my board. Uh, but, you know, if, if he does declare, I think there's some guys in front of him that won't. And he, he might go back to school too. Right. Uh, who's number three on your board? My number three is Cade Stover, the tight end for Ohio State. Uh, I think he is playing his way into that weird day two tight end who is tough, can block, and makes those tough first down catches. Um, was has been used heavily in this offense for most of the season and had some really big catches last year too. So I think Cade Stover – is the type of tight end that like draft guys don't love fantasy guys don't love, but the NFL wants on their team to be their tight end too. And he steps in and can Dalton Schultz it. If push comes to shove, he's my tight end four. Uh, how does he compare to some of those other Ohio state tight ends that probably shouldn't have been second or third round picks that ended up there like Nick Bennett and some of those other guys. I, I think he's better because he's more productive than Jeremy Rucker and Nick Vanette and guys that were ultimately overdrafted. Like, you know, Kate Stover's 
second in the team in receptions, only to Marvin Harrison. You know, we, we haven't seen that from a high State tight end before. So, um, you know, he, he has 27 catches. Jeremy Ruckert never had that in a season. And, and that's we still have half a season to go. Yeah, he had a he had a pretty big game this past week, too, against Penn State. So, uh, And he seems to make the plays when the team needs them, right? Red zone, four, uh, third down. He he's, he's almost like a security blanket for McCord. He's, he's the guy. I think that's yeah. – man, so many NFL that, teams. That'll go a long way, right, in, in those war rooms. Yeah. Uh, Stover's number four on my list. Uh, you said Jaheim Bell was four on your list. So that brings us to tight end five. And mine is going to be way out of left field here. So I'm going to go to you first because you're probably have a much more rational way of thinking. <laughs> I, I don't because there's just not a tight end five. <laughs> like, it's not, right? So I'm, I'm going to take Brevin Span Ford, the tight end from Minnesota, who, I mean, Minnesota's offense is so bad. So <laughs> like, bad. But, I mean, he, is, he literally has 13 catches for 66 yards this year. Um, but he's huge. But he's huge. I mean, he, he is – 6'7", 270. He's going to run a, a, a 4'6". Like, he's very athletic. Very big. He can be a dominant blocker. Uh, you know, he's, I, I think it makes him a, a draft pick. And, like, that's good enough for tight end five. Like I said, my, my tight end six through uh, 14, I don't even know if any of them are in the, in the, in the class when all said and done. My tight end five is South Carolina tight end Trey Knox, <laughs> who has go. a – I should have known. I should have known. Well, you should. You probably could have guessed this, but I mean, to his credit, he has emerged as a weapon in their offense. And Spencer Rattler really depends on him. He can run after the catch. He's a he's a former wide receiver, so he's good in the open field. He's he's really worked hard and has become a solid blocker uh, out out in both the run game and the passing game when called upon. And just there's a lack of options out there right now, right? And I think a guy who's going to test well, I believe, when push comes to shove at that position, I, I think Knox can end up in the top five, maybe top eight tight end range, uh, day three pick. You know, he's going to play special teams as well. So I think that's kind of where we're at. And I hate the fact that we're talking top five at a position. And my first immediate thought is, well, the guy's going to help on special teams, right? There's a whole lot of tight end twos in this class. Yeah, I mean that's there ain't a lot of tight end ones. Uh some some guys that I think could work their way in at some point if they declare uh Jake Brining stool from Clemson. I caught my first glimpse of him this week. He was big, but he's only a third year player. I think he goes back. He's also undersized. Uh Bryson Nesbitt, North Carolina is a guy I think solid. Uh Dallin Holker, Colorado State is an is another guy that I think yeah. is gonna push his way up the board for lack of options. And, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'll pass out the Iowa tight ends. Both of them are out for the year. But Luke Lachey is is a Sam Laporta. He just did, has barely played this year. And then Eric All, who transferred from Michigan, right. stepped in was having a beast year, and he's he's out for the year um, with the ACL. So that just pushes them both those guys down or off the board completely. Yeah, it just makes it tough. Ben Sinnott from Kansas State's having a good year. Jared Wiley uh, from TCU. Another guy who's just constantly injured is Brant Cuthy from Utah, who I think is a guy we, we could have very easily talked about. I want to throw out one more name here because when I watched West Virginia a few weeks ago, this guy was an animal. And he's only a fourth-year player, so I think he's going to go back. But he's 6'7", 243, Cole Taylor, West Virginia. I don't know how much you've watched of him, Shane, but he's a really good guy. A really good player, and I think he's a guy who could make some noise probably in the 2025 class. Yeah, I'll have to keep, keep that name in mind. I, I don't have many notes on him, it doesn't seem like so. I'll, I'll yeah. have to check I, I, he wasn't on our watch. I added him a few weeks ago to the, to the uh, watch list when I watched West Virginia play. So, all right. So, that's going to do it for the uh, tight end uh, rankings here. Um, we had one question on Twitter. Um, our good friend Bubba at Bubba's Cruising asked, uh, he was counting on Georgia wide receiver Lad McConkey 
being the first player from his small town to play in the NFL, but he's been bothered by a back injury this year. Then I see y'all both have him ranked lower than wide receiver 25. Uh, what round are we thinking if he comes out for Lad McConkey? I, I mean, the back injury hurts. Like he will still, he will play in the NFL. Like he will still be the first person from your town to play in the NFL. I don't think he gets drafted at this point unless he really can turn it on here at the end of the season and the playoff and, you know, do some big things. Like he could have been a lot, a lot of people were expecting a solid athlete who was kind of that, you know, reliable receiver and just didn't happen this year for him. I, I, I don't know. I, I see an undrafted free agent that maybe makes some noise in the NFL and makes a team that has some stats. Yeah. That, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but like, so who is the best, if any, NFL player from your high school? Oh, God. Are we from, my, from where, where I graduated from? Yeah. Um, I, so let's see. Um, we, we, when I was, I remember being in high school and like the first ever player from my high school was like signed and played in the preseason um for the Steelers and so like it, it, we weren't a great you know a great uh football school um but I went to high school with the Ventrones um so with you know Ross Ventrone and um you know who's who played for the New England Patriots and yeah so that that you know that they have been you know they've been kind of the the only guys I'm trying to think if there's anyone else, but I think that's it. Raven Trent run button Bubba Ventron now as a coach is starting to get some uh, head coach buzz. So there you go. I uh for me it's go? going to be uh Antoine Odom, uh edge rusher. Uh played oh, that's for cool. yeah, played for the Titans and then signed with the Bengals. Um a lot it was it became a lot more Bengal jerseys and Bengal stuff, uh in my part of the world, whenever he signed with them, uh, you don't see it much anymore. Just me back to being just me again. But yeah, Antoine Odom uh, had a decent career uh, in the NFL. That, that's a pretty good one. I know who Antoine Odom is, so that's pretty good. There you go. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the show. Uh, final thoughts, Shane, on what, which I kind of knew it was going to go long. <laughs> we added a mock yeah, draft yeah, to the yeah. show this week. You know, it wasn't too bad for having a, a mock draft the show. So thanks for sticking with us. It, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the end of the season. I'm excited to watch more small school guys. I have kind of a list I want to get into here coming up. So uh, excited for that. Yeah. Uh, released today. I released uh, 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 my big board went up to 150 today. Uh, pretty happy about it. I think it, it's very, very wide receiver and edge heavy in the top 30. Uh, if you're looking at that, uh, as a matter of fact, I think I have three edge rushers in the top six. So I, I like this edge class. I like the wide receiver class. And it really shows uh, on my big board today that came out today. So uh, that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown podcast. If you're uh, following on live and you're new to the channel, go like I said, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button, like the video, uh, share it out. If you're listening to this on an audio platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Leave us a five-star review. Share that out as well. We would love to get those numbers up uh, to a much more wider audience, and we can only do that with your help. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. And follow Draft Countdown there at Draft Countdown. And for your, all of your NFL draft needs, go to draftcountdown.com. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.